Today's program has been brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm, the first cheese-making co-op in Vermont. For more information, visit www.considerbardwellfarm.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Isette. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your host for this live <laughs> show on all things fermentable. Man, I'm gone one week and I don't remember what to say. <laughs> anyway, I'm very glad to be back. I missed last week's show, which was an excellent show. Um, and we have a great show for you tonight, but we have a couple of announcements first. What are those announcements, Mary? Well, what's going on tomorrow night at 508? Oh, at 508. Speaking of pumpkin, we talked about it last week. Uh, we are launching a pumpkin beer, a pumpkin saison, uh, that I brewed with Nick Ladd, Gregory Boland, and Chris Pagnotta, all of the New York City Home Brewers Guild. And uh, we are very, very excited about that. But also, uh, our friends from Finback Brewing Company, a new brewery uh, that's opening up in Queens, uh, we did a collaboration as well, and so they called Baby's Got Finback, and it is a lychee and smoked uh, a uh, lychee uh, and smoked black tea uh, pale ale, which is pretty fun. And the and the pumpkin beer is called Hello Gorgeous. Get it? Get it? Gorgeous. <laughs> so that releases tomorrow. The beers will be on tap after definitely by five. By five. Um, yeah. Beers are five dollars all night because at the bar. At the bar. Because Tuesday is Tuesday, and then you'll be playing. I'll be playing saxophone tomorrow. I'm very excited about that with some very dear friends from eight to ten. Yep, that's a lot. Yeah, come on out. It'll be a good time. There'll be a lot of friendly faces there. Good way to meet people. Oh, next, (laughs) what else is going on this Saturday? So this Saturday is Brooklyn Poor, which is put on by the Village Voice. It's in the beautiful former Williamsburg Bank Building, now called One Hanson Place, that big clock tower in um, near Fort Greene, you know, border Fort Greene, Borum Hill. And uh, Chris and I will both be speaking there. Chris is going to be pouring his beers from 508 Brewery. I'm going to be speaking, actually, we're both going to be speaking on urban brewing. And then Chris is going to be talking about the state of brewing in New York. That's right. City. This, well, yeah, New the York country City, in general, the state, state. state of brewing right now and, and, and what's going on in New York City in particular and how fun it is and the great community we have. And, and New York is definitely on the rise. A lot of really fun stuff happening here. Yep. And that's from 3 to 6 p.m. Tickets are still available, and your ticket will get you into the talks if you want to. Otherwise, they're going to have lots of samples of breweries from all over the city. Uh, and an awesome state, old building. And, yeah, country. And that building is absolutely gorgeous. So if, if I could drink any beer and anywhere, it, it would be there, let me tell you. Um, November 5th, I'm going to give my first class at Brooklyn Homebrew on alternative fermentation. Tickets went up today. It's $40. I'm going to cover water kefir, whey fermented soda, how to culture your own kombucha scoby, etc., etc. It'll be a great class. Check out Brooklyn slash or Brooklyn-homebrew.com if you're interested in attending. And November 2nd is the New York City's Homebrewers Guild 25th anniversary party at Brooklyn Brewery from 9 to midnight. Right? From 9 to midnight. And we have about 14 booths, uh, all including the, the uh, local homebrew stores and uh, a lot of the local homebrew clubs. Uh, your admission ticket, $25 for 25 years. Uh, we'll, we'll cover uh, your free samples of all of this really, really fun ingenuity. Yeah, we have local. 60 brewers signed up so far to pour kegs, and I think that there are pour kegs or bottles of great homebrew, and I think there'll probably be a, a few more. Chris and I are both brewing for it. 
And that'll come with the 25th anniversary glass. It's going to be really awesome. Uh, of course, the Brooklyn Brewery beers will be there. And so will uh, one of our founding members, uh, Garrett Oliver, who is now brewmaster at the Brooklyn Brewery. So we're very excited about that. And the guy who put out the call for it, Morgan Wright, is coming down from upstate. And we're super excited about that because yeah. the, the Guild for a long time was the only club in New York City. And uh, just, we just have a lot of history in that. But more importantly, the, probably the biggest announcement we have today uh, is the change in our event uh, for Choctoberfest. We've decided to, to delay that in no small part because of it being so close to the New York City Homebrewers Guild uh, party. So we and the Staten Island Fest before that, Island which Fest. also has a homebrew comp. And the limited amount of time there is to kind of brew with chocolate before that. So we're postponing that to December. Stay tuned for more details. But this gives everybody more time to plan. Exactly. So tonight we have our good friend Peter Kennedy of Simply Beer, Iron Brewer, Homebrew, the perfect <laughs> jockey box. <laughs> and um, how, we've known you for a couple of years now. It's been a while now. Yep. And it's always been a thrill to have your beer at either, you know, some of the Get Real Fest that you poured at. I know that you poured a delicious beer at um, one of the Brooklyn Brewery things that we participated uh, in one time. pushing the envelope, the different <laughs> stuff. Exactly. I mean, everything from bacon beers to... Oh, right. Yeah, uh, NHC. Yeah, I, I had the bacon beer at NHC. That, that was a, a big hit. We spoke yeah. about that on the show here. Could we, let's dive right to that real quick. Yep. I want right. to dive right to the bacon beer. <laughs> what do you mean bacon beer? Well, everybody calls smoke beer bacon beer, mm-hmm. where this beer was not a smoke beer. There was no smoke malt in it at all. It was basically bacon. And more bacon. <laughs> so I put bacon in the boil. I put bacon grease. And cooked grease. bacon, right? Co- okay. I, I so put cooked uh, bacon grease. So I, I cooked the bacon, took the grease, added it to the boil. Right. So right. not there wasn't the bacon. There was the bacon fat. Bacon Just grease the bacon fat right, right at the end of the what, boil. What did that look like? Uh, it made a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it made a mess of my chill plate. It made a mess of my boil kettle. <laughs> it made a mess of my, uh, my primary... <laughs> I mean, it was just a mess everywhere. And so in order to get all that grease out of the beer, so right after the boil, I chill it down to about 30 degrees. And so that way the uh, the, the oil in there will come up and separate okay. out from from the beer, and then I can rack it off and, and warm it up and start fermenting. So wait, did the bacon fat actually rise to the top or yeah, did it fall it to the Yeah, it solidifies on top. Okay, on top. All and right. you just poke right through it with your rocking cane and... Pull it and, up. And you pull it up, <laughs> awesome. yeah. And it leaves a big, giant mess. But if I'm not done there, though, after that, once you're ready to serve this beer, this beer has about a lifespan of about five days. So if you don't drink it within that amount of time, it's going to spoil. Because what I do is I put three pounds of that bacon that i got the grease from in the secondary right as i served it so as you're serving it wait so did you put it in the keg in the keg okay in the keg as you're serving it there's three pounds of bacon of the bacon solids that solids yeah okay the good stuff and so all i let it sit in the keg for four or five days before i serve it and then it's got to be all drunk that one one serving right and uh it works out beautifully how everybody loves it was the beer it's about uh five and a half six percent brown ale do you think I mean, it would last longer if you did have it have it strong like stronger? Uh, you know, I think there's you, just so if you much. Went for ten percent, or do you think I that would preserve the bacon a little bit more? You know, it's just it's bacon so. spoils. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, it just kind just of asking. as as I mean, it's sitting in there. I mean, you don't even want to look at it once you're done drinking it. Right. But uh, 
you know, it's 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 not a pretty sight after it's done. <laughs> and you and that was poured at NHC. That was poured at NHC. Yeah, because I had some. I ran into Chris. Yeah. I hadn't made it around to that yeah. area yet, and I ran into Chris, and he's like, "You have to taste this. It's Peter Kennedy's bacon beer." Or no, I think you didn't even tell me what it was. You were like, "Taste this. Tell me what you think." But I, it was mean, great. I actually ran out of that beer that That's night. Awesome. I, the whole keg was drunk that night. You know, yeah. which is pretty good. Seeing every other oh, yeah. keg I brought, you know, only like you know maybe half a gallon of it was used. Oh yeah, there was mm-hmm. a lot of good beer on that floor. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of leftovers. Well, I want to go backward just a little bit again so to get that process together. <laughs> I didn't compute entirely. So you finished the boil. You, you, you had all the, the bacon fat in the boil, and you then cold crashed it to right 30 degrees so it yep. didn't freeze or like it was on its way to freezing. Mm-hmm. But once you saw that the, the bacon grease had solidified, right. that's when you, when you so scooped I, it off I, and got I, out. I cooled it down through my chill plate um, down as far probably about 45 degrees, about as cold as I can get it, running ice water okay. in the opposite direction. Um, then I put it in my, my fridge and get it down to about 30 degrees, which is probably about an overnight process. That's, um, what, that's what I'm getting. Get and then it. as that happens, the the grease in the beer actually solidifies, becomes a solid, and ends up floating up to the top. And so then you can siphon out the beer underneath it, and you probably get about 95% of the grease out of the beer that's that good. way. And then um, did you did you heat it heat that liquid up again to get it up to sixty eight degrees or whatever I wherever just you decided naturally to, to, okay. I pitched and let it come up to temperature. You pitched while it was at yeah. uh, thirty degrees or whatever. I pitched probably about forty five degrees. Okay. Did you so notice anything different in your yeast behavior? Uh, it was well. Here's the thing: it was a light you time. can't tell because there's so still so much grease left in there. You get no krausen. Okay. And um, but what happened once the yeast got going? Um, at one point, my uh, airlock was pegged at the top of the uh, bubbler, and uh, it, you know it was just spurting out yeah. liquid. Yeah. You know? it, it was going pretty ferociously for a while, and I think that's the the oil, the grease, and the beer actually enhances that that production of carbon dioxide and yeah, alcohol. Uh, the, the the way the yeast is going. Hmm. Interesting. You know, because every time I, I do a, a beer that has some sort of greasy element to it. It, it really the the yeast activity just spins off the chart. You know, you do a lot of you know a lot of you know we talk about chocolate. You do a lot of keiko nibs. I mean, there's that grease on it. And mm-hmm. It seems to you know I get more active fermentation. And you still like when you use a lot of cocoa nibs? Do you see a grease layer on top? I mean, kind of like a shiny. Can you yeah, tell? I think you get a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but I really don't pay too much attention yeah, to yeah. it. You just kind of let it go. And you had a head on that beard. You, oh, yeah. Because I overcarbonate no, it. To, you overcarbonate yeah, to, over to get some head um, retention? To compensate. And I, get a, I also put a lot of um, Munich and Vienna malt in there to try to, you know, get that uh, head retention without adding crystal malts right. in there. Uh, it's but, definitely a fun beer to make, you know. It's, it's, fun, it's great if you can do it. Like you know, if, if I was able to make the uh, the Brooklyn the your twenty fifth uh, guild yeah. party, I'd be making the bacon beer for I'm that. Sad you won't be making. I that. might be have have to make an, an a Peter Kennedy inspired there bacon peanut butter beer. There you go. We mm. have that PB two powder at home. That's right. I've used that before too. How, now, how do you use it? How do you use the PB two powder? Um, well, I added it straight in to the secondary. Okay. Um, and it, and it seemed to work fairly well. You know, I, made, I make a in? peanut butter porter, or I used to make it. I don't oh, yeah, quite make was, it anymore. That was delicious, uh, though. But I, I've used. So, hold on, just for whoever's listening, what is PB two powder? Oh, oh it, it's it's um, basically powdered peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Um, you, one of these peanut farms in Georgia or someplace. Uh, basically, they dehydrate everything. You just add water, and you can make uh, peanut butter. 
Right. Yeah. And it's less, it's not, it doesn't have the grease that using regular peanut butter, I think it's a little less messy. Yeah, it's a little so, less messy. And you can order it online. Um, I found it actually in Calustian, so you can get it at health food or kind of fancy. And you can also, they also have a version of it with chocolate oh, yeah. in it, too. <laughs> you can get PB2 chocolate? Yeah, mm-hmm. PB2 nice. chocolate. And I've tried using, um, like, de-oiling peanut butter. Mm-hmm. I've used the PB2, and I've used peanuts. And I think peanuts gets you the quickest, fastest peanut butter flavor. The, in, the in whole peanut or just the shells? Or um, I crushed a, 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 like a, basically like a, a loose chop. Okay. Of, of the peanuts. Of the whole peanuts or the, just the, uh, the just actual Just the inside. Nuts. Okay. Yeah, just yeah. I go to Whole Foods and get the Valencia peanuts that, that you can buy to make peanut butter with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just crush them with a, a meat tenderizer. Nice. And, uh, and throw them in. And really, you know, 18 hours and, and you're going to get a ton of flavor. And that's in secondary. In the secondary. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it does not take long for that peanut flavor to get right into that beer. Yeah. You know, it can get overwhelming, you know, real quick. I love that. <laughs> so let's talk about Iron Brewer. Let's start the discussion. Speaking of all these crazy dis- Yeah, speaking of all these crazy um, ingredients. Yeah. So Iron Brewer. Now, I love all the home brewing competitions that are out there, and I, I try to participate in them when I can. Um, but what I found is that my beers tend not to fall into style guidelines. And, and it got kind of frustrating, you know, always getting bad feedback or not bad feedback but low scores not winning you know i'm a competitive person i like to win um so about five years ago uh, a bunch of bloggers we decided to do a basically a beer off and we all came up with the same recipe and everybody changed one ingredient and we brewed it and shared it with everybody it was a lot of fun and so then i took that kind of one step further and said these are the three ingredients you have to use and now make a beer with them. Any kind of beer, any style. You know, it's not, can't be a Braggit, a Groot, you know, Mead. It has to be a beer. And just use those three ingredients and make the best beer you can. So you guys helped me judge uh, the championship round a couple weeks ago. Where yeah. We had, um, they were required to use um, New Zealand Pacifica hops, ginger, and rye. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't sound that complicated. You know, but and the, the diversity was incredible. You can get a lot of diverse beers, and, and the creativity that comes out of them is, is amazing. I mean, one guy even put jalapenos in it too, and yep. yeah, you know, it, it was it's it's been a lot of fun, and it's been such a kind of a, a community, you know, event, uh, you know, within these online home brewers, you know, where we get the championship round for each round that we do. Um, we have everybody do a, a live tasting on an internet radio show. Um, and it's just a lot of fun that everybody gets to taste and actually judge everybody else's beer in a competition. I mean, what homebrew competition do you actually get to taste and judge everybody the beers else's. that yeah, yeah, are yeah, also yeah. in there? I mean, it's, it's really creative. It's really a lot of fun. You know, there's a lot of good camaraderie, good feedback, and, you know, people are, are, are really responding well to it. And we've been doing it now for four years, uh, going on our fifth year, probably start up a new one in January. And on that note, we're going to take a pause for a friendly commercial break, and we'll be back with more details on Iron Brewer. Awesome. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. 
Today's program has been brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm. Spanning the rolling hills of Vermont's Champlain Valley and easternmost Washington County, New York, 300-acre Consider Bardwell Farm was the first cheese-making co-op in Vermont founded in 1864 by Consider Stebbins Bardwell himself. Rotational grazing on pesticide-free and fertilizer-free pastures produces the sweetest milk and the tastiest cheese. All of their cheeses are aged on the farm in their extensive system of caves. Consider Barwell Farm is also a big supporter of Heritage Foods USA's No Goat Left Behind program. No Goat Left Behind is a serious effort launched in 2011 by Heritage Foods USA designed to introduce goat meat to American diners and provide a sustainable end market for dairy animals. For more information, please visit www.considerbardwellfarm.com. Welcome back to Foment About It on Heritage Radio Network.org. We are here in the studio with our good friend Peter Kennedy from Simply Beer and also the, the founder of the competition Iron Brewer, um, and which has been going on, you said, four years? Four years now. Four sessions. Yep. Starting our fifth year. Uh, we'll be starting up in January again with a new round. Uh, so so tell, can, yeah, tell us how that works exactly. So the, the, the preliminary round, I'll put out the, the three ingredients and then um, just like any other homebrew competition. Is that an open call? Is there a cap it's on open call. for that? It's an open call. We t- cap it at 60, maybe you'll go to 70. depends on, on how many entries we get, you know, the demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we try to keep it small. Uh, we get a lot of good feedback coming back to everybody from their beers. Uh, but first round, preliminary round, is, you know, you send your beers in into me, and uh, we'll, we'll have a judging. We'll score your scores, send it back. Um, and then the six top scores from that preliminary round then go on to the championship round with three new sets of ingredients and so now you got to brew a second beer um we'll do those it's about eight weeks for each round um after the eight weeks we'll judge um in the championship round we add in the uh the uh, competitors get to to um judge everybody else's beer so so they mail all their beers to each other they mail all and their then beers get to, to each other so that's why there's only six people mm-hmm. in, the, in the championship in the round right um, it does get expensive mailing beers out and so forth, so we try to eliminate that as much as possible. But you know, there's you know a good bit of prize money and and so forth. In the end, we have some good sponsors uh, that have helped us through uh, the times here. And if people are interested, what's your website? It's uh, ironbrewer.com. Excellent. You can find out all the information there. You can always email me too. I'm on Twitter, Facebook. As what? All, as all simply, all beer? simply beer. Simply beer. Simply beer. Simply beer. What are some of your favorite ingredients or results of the ingredients that you've kind of done over the four? So you've done four. Right. I think um, cardamom was one of the ingredients that uh, I've now brewed with a bunch of times since. Um, pistachio is another one that I haven't used in Iron Brewer, but I kind of got inspired from another round and decided to do pistachio. I did a pistachio stout. must have been two years ago we now. We love that stout. We, yeah. I actually judge that, that at a at a homebrew alley and had no idea. And we going in, cause we knew, we didn't know who obviously who had brewed, yeah. brewed it, but, um, but we were like pistachio stout. And I was thinking in my head, I'm not sure about this. And it was delicious. So that was a, that was a fun beer to do. And, mm-hmm. and I used pistachio extract. Um, so just a word to why, whenever you're using an extract, they're extremely potent. Yep. And so what I did was I took, um, basically I had like eight, glasses uh, of about four ounces a piece and was using a dropper and, and putting the amount of uh, pistachio extract in each one and see 
kind of where it would fall mm-hmm. and uh you know I, I eventually found the right ratio that i wanted and, that, and that's what i entered into the yeah i thought the that's really uh, it was i didn't know what to expect from it and i thought it, that's a great combination yeah so. yeah it was good the chocolate and the pistachio and you know, you got to be a pistachio fan first. Yeah. You know, because it, it, it definitely speaks pistachio. Yeah. Like ice cream, like pistachio <laughs> yep, exactly. ice cream kind of thing. The sweetness of the stout and yeah. So let's talk about the other th- thing. So whenever I go anywhere where that they're serving homebrew, like at past beer fest that served homebrew, um, and I see Peter Kennedy's name, I know, all right, that's one of the first beers I'm going to have because it's probably going to run out one and it's probably going to be really interesting and really good. <laughs> the other thing is you have a gorgeous jockey box oh, my jockey <laughs> that you bring. So, and it's not your first jockey box that you built, right? No, no. It's, this has been a path to jockey box perfection. So let's talk about that. Uh, this is the uh, fourth iteration of my <laughs> jockey box, I think. So I, I started off many years ago with this massive, giant Coleman or igloo cool it was like a 72 quart you know it was like <laughs> eight feet long and um i used uh pvc not pvc uh the, like uh, beer line tubing okay yeah i used beer line tubing through it like 100 feet of it in there and you know it actually worked pretty well um and then i, I was like this is just too big i gotta i gotta reduce it down and i reduced it down to a, a just another plastic igloo cooler like everybody else sees and um the, uh, the coils were too long, so then at that point I went to a plate chiller set up, uh, which was really nice. Um, brought that out camping once, and uh, you know somebody left the tap open while it was in the back of my truck. Uh, beer all through my truck. So at that point Like now, in the back seat of your truck. In, in, the, in a trunk area. Okay. Um, but still, it's all posted yeah. and so forth, and, and so that was a mess. So now, now my jockey box got drip trays on it. You know, it's uh, it's got it's a stainless steel Coleman cooler, um, hand blown glass tap handles, which <laughs> everyone loves. Um, Pure lick taps. I mean, you know, it's 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 been a, a process, an ever evolving, you know, upgrade bits and pieces, and it's been a lot of fun to put together. So I love doing DIY. Yeah, the other thing that you have been, you played with like where you put your taps, correct? Because I remember having yeah. a discussion about this. So what would you, for somebody that's that's building their first jockey box, what are some tips that you are, you know, learning so, from your experience? Yeah, one of, the, one of the biggest things that always angered me about jockey boxes was the um, inlets were on the backside of the box. So if you're serving at an event, well, you have these two you know, lines coming out of the back of your box, and I never liked the way it looked. That are the right. front of the box for anybody getting right. it from you. Yeah. And then if you're, you're, you have, you know, I also do events where, well, not events, but parties where it's my box is self-serve. You know, you go up and you pour it. So you don't want taps coming into the front either. So I figure we'll put them on the sides, and, and that seemed to, to work really well, cut the difference between, between both ends. And, uh, you know, as well as, you know, the size of your box for the number of taps you want, you know, don't go too big, don't go too small. You know, you want to make sure you can fit all all the uh, the taps that you want to have on your box. Um, where are you going to use it? I mean, really, that comes down to it. You know, I tend to use mine in, in you know three different types of occasions: at my house for parties, out camping, and then also uh, you know camping trips a lot of fun. <laughs> <I can> imagine. <laughs> and then uh, you know at, at you know events where I'm pouring beer. So. You know, for for me, I needed a kind of versatility in my box, mm-hmm. and, and I think that I got that. You know, I got the smallest size I could get that would fit my chill plates. Um, and the reason why I have chill plates is that getting the stainless steel coils, 
I'm not going to fit four taps on a small box. Right. Right. You know, you're only going to get two, right? Unless you go really small on the number of coils you have, um, or you can bend them yourself, which or stainless steel. <laughs> yeah, right. could could be a problem. I'd yeah. also say just a, another tip: try and get a a uh, cooler that has a little plug on the bottom, so you can empty the water as you're as you're filling it up with that. Right. That's going to be for a long definitely. time. Definitely. That's and, huge. And the nice thing about the Coleman, it actually has a little channel through the uh, middle yeah. of the um, on the bottom. So all the water goes right down into that, that drain hole. So it drains easy. And so it drains nice and easy, and they can get the stuff out at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah that's good. That, that's a big help. <laughs> it's always good to be able to <laughs> get out easily. Yeah. Break stuff down quickly. So what else? What are some of the favorite beers that you've brewed? I mean, we've talked about some of your in- really interesting, inventive beers. You've done some barrel aging, I know. I've done some barrel aging. Some Probably sours, the one that, I believe. The, the most interesting one I did lately was a... Um, I'm a big scotch and bourbon guy. I love it. Um, especially the peaty scotches. Uh, Laphroaig is, yes. is one of my favorites. Um, so I kind of did an homage to Laphroaig. I made a uh, peat smoke porter, um, and then I aged it for... Well, it was a very small barrel. I aged it for five days in a rye whiskey barrel. How big was the barrel? It was seven gallons. Okay. Um, but the problem was that after I aged it into the whiskey barrel, I lost all the peat smoke oh. out of the beer. And so it, and it was a very good barrel-aged porter, you know, whiskey, mm-hmm. you know, nice and good. But I really wanted that peat flavor, so I ended up getting buying more peat smoke malt, doing like a little steep of that peat smoke malt, kind of um, getting it all nice and, and condensed there. So like and, a peat, like I, a basic peat smoke malt like mash or tea. Yeah, it yeah. just basically made a tea out, out of the out of the malt and mm-hmm. added it right back into the awesome. that's very into cool. the beer. And uh, you know, for the first couple of weeks, it tasted like crap. And then after about two three months, uh, we drank it two weeks ago. It was fantastic. So you right. kegged it with your tea, right? Yes. So yes. Uh, so I'm guessing when you say it tasted like crap, like it was like too harsh. It was really harsh okay, and stringent. Can, yeah. Uh, just get, it had, had that like those tannins that that kind of real sharpness to it mm-hmm. that I, I wasn't like, and I was really kind of disappointed. Um, I it's, brought it down to NHC and I refused to put it on uh, because I didn't like the way it was tasting. And then so I brought it back from NHC, and then two three weeks ago I tried it again. And it was great. And, and you're still up. getting the peat, right? But yeah. you're not getting those like harsh phenolic tannin kind right. of things. Yep. <laughs> so we got the peat, you got the, that whiskey flavor, um, and, and it was just really good. And so I brought it camping. And awesome. That weekend, it was nice. <laughs> that we, we have fun like, camping trips. That sounds like a perfect <laughs> beer for camping, too. <laughs> it was. It was good, along with all the steak. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we did a uh, continued education program for... Uh, on peat smoke or not on smoked beers, you know, for the BJCP thing, and we did a lot of uh, teas with malt. So if you're trying to get to know your malts or different smoked malts, is that tea thing is a really cool thing for home mm-hmm. brewers to do. And, as, and one as of the things do. you'll see is that um, your your malt, the older it is, the the um, the less smoky flavor you're going to get. It tends to lose its smoke because yeah, if you open definitely. up, if you have a in a closed container, you open up, uh, you get all the aromatics, even if it's in a sealed container mm-hmm. and so you know that's dissipating so you know somebody says you know never use more than you know four ounces of peat well maybe you need to use more depending on how old the malt is how aromatic it is you know taste it try it 
Absolutely. You know, and, and it definitely changes. Just because a recipe says to use one thing doesn't necessarily mean yeah. the ingredients you have are going to yeah. meet those standards. The, you know. I did a poster on smoke, on our smoke beer project, BGCP Continuing Ed Project, and um, that was a, a homebrew shop owner came up to me. This was two years ago at NHC. And that was his, he said, man, smoke malt, you know, I get in bags, and sometimes they're super fresh and really intense, and other times I'll open it, and it won't be anything yeah. the same. So I think that is something that you really have to – Get some, I think getting some experience with it so you know how much you need to use. Yeah, yeah and then the other thing that I'm really trying to do a lot of now is low ABV beers. Yes. Um, I, I, I love beer. I hate getting drunk. Yeah. And I like to drink beer, and I hate getting drunk. Um, so now I've been working on a, a series of um, different beers that are sub-4% alcohol beers, a brown ale, an American wheat, and a pale ale. And uh, it's a lot harder than it oh, yeah. than it sounds you know you can't just take a recipe and cut the malt base you know right. it, it just doesn't work and yep. uh, filling in the blanks with you know more malty grains to make up the difference higher fermentation temperatures to keep some sweetness higher bitterness to counteract the sweetness to get the, so you have the mouthfeel but you don't get sweet you know right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just an ongoing process it's been a lot of fun it's a good learning process we're interested in hearing more about that in the future. Before we go, because we do have to go, Simply Beer. So soon? <laughs> so soon. I know. It's a quick, quick, quick 250 minutes. Um, Simply Beer is what? Simply Beer has kind of evolved into a website on home brewing. Um, a lot of DIY, a lot of um, my problems making beer. A lot of uh, recipes. A lot of recipes. I have not put many up lately but there are a lot of recipes we featured i think your recipe in our very first episode i think uh, when we when we gave a quick 101 on extract uh, extract brewing cool Uh, Uh, it was a lot of extract recipes i was a big extract brewer for many years before i went to all grain but uh it's there's a lot of stuff up there a lot of good stuff for home brewers and if you want old beer reviews there (laughs) (laughs) beer reviews from four or five years ago up there too (laughs) Well, we'll put those links on our site, which I am going to update by tomorrow night. I promise. Um, I believe her. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much, Peter Kennedy. It was a pleasure. Next week, we have... Joshua Bernstein. And Greg and Jess from Yeast talking oh, about right. the next private collection. Very uh, excited about that. Yeast, the sponsor of Iron Brewer. Awesome. Hey, all right. Those are great guys. It's a yeah. great yeast company. <laughs> so thank you, guys, thank you guys so much for listening, and please tune in next week. We're live at 7 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. For men, men about it. it. <laughs>